0: everyone and welcome to episode 4 of the NFNL podcast for season 2021. I'm Samuel Zito back again with Nicholas Sacco looking at all things NFNL from the weekend that has just gone by. And also looking ahead to, to what's to come. Nick Sacco, Anzac round is now behind us. It was, well, a lot of talking points came out of the round. I think there's only one place that we can start. And it's what transpired at freelay Oval on Saturday afternoon. Shane Harvey. Finished with eight for the day, but his fifth goal brought up a landmark milestone: 1,000 goals for North Heidelberg. You, you can't comprehend how like, it's just a remarkable number of goals. You see, um, you know some of the, the great you know figures around in, in AFL level that we look at, and you, you look at them. They play a few more games every year to do it at grassroots where you've played you know fewer games, 18 games. Grounds can be pretty tough uh, sometimes to play in the middle of winter. And to do it for one club, a uh, remarkable achievement.
1: An incredible feat, Samuel. Thanks again for having me on the podcast as well. But yeah, unbelievable to see Shane Harvey achieve that figure. He had 10 goals to kick coming into the year. We didn't think it would take to his third game, to be honest, <laughs> to get there. But um, yeah, it was just an, an incredible achievement. And you know, it just, just shows credit to how good he has been in this competition for the 13 years he's played in the NFL, and um, to see him get that figure and to see the, the heartwarming uh, crowd get over to him at, as well after he kicked that goal is a sight to see and um yeah, he should be very proud of his efforts. One of the great
0: things about footy isn't it uh, yeah. at a grassroots level seeing the, the uh, I guess, the fans flock onto the ground. I know Definitely. we do not see the the big milestone goals getting kicked as often at the, at the uh, top flight so we're not sure if, if they'd allow people back on the ground but uh, to see him kick that goal and uh, and have the young kids run out and, uh, and get around him was it was remarkable, I think. Um, yeah, we'll get a chance to talk to him later on. But I'll tell you one thing. If you could put only the most minor spin on it, uh, that you'd, if you had one wish, you'd say maybe if he had done it at home, it would have been sure. uh, great to, uh, in front of the home fans. But uh, as you say, it took two around three. Uh, he had some opportunities the week prior. At Bill Laurie Oval didn't have the kicking boots on. He, he missed a couple that he would normally ram through. But uh, on the weekend, they were certainly on. He kicked, as I said, his fifth goal during the third quarter, finished with eight. And in the end, it was a really big win for, for North Heidelberg. So um, they're off to an absolute flyer to, to start the campaign in, in Meadows Greyhounds Division 1 now. They've opened the season with three straight wins. And as it now stands, they're one of only two undefeated sides today in Heidelberg. Um, Greensboro was upset by Montmorency. Massive upset. Might be one that we just uh, turn our attention to now because... I don't think many people going in would have given Montmorency too much of a chance because of, one, the quality of football we saw Greensboro play the week prior against West Preston Lakeside. But, two, Montmorency being really ordinary by their standard at, uh, at, at round two in their loss to, to Bandura And then you couple that on top of the fact that they were down by 27 points at, at quarter time and... <laughs> I don't think uh, too many people would have given Montmorency any chance at at that stage there. So for them to turn it around and and produce a a great win for them, maybe that's the catalyst to to kickstart their campaign, but probably the, the upset result over the, the course of the weekend.
1: Oh, Absolutely, I mean especially away from home, a twilight set up as well down at Greensboro War Memorial Park. The borough in fantastic form after their win against West Preston, they would have been on such a high as well, as you said the Magpies, a disappointing loss to Bundura the week prior. They wouldn't have really been give, giving themselves too much of a chance you feel from an outsider's point of view coming in but the fact of the matter is their, their last three quarters were absolutely outstanding they were able to topple over them, really limited, limited the, um, the play of some of their key players as well. And at the end of the day, any side coached by Gary Ramsey, I guess you can't really take out of a contest. And when they got close towards the end, you felt like they could sneak it through. Um, A fantastic result for them um, and maybe something to kick start their season as well. Yeah,
0: you you feel so. It's it's a tough tough ground to play it, and, and to come away from Greensboro War Memorial Park with the, three, uh, the four points, with a three-point result, was, uh, was was pretty incredible. The last quarter was uh, was something you know, extraordinary. Yeah. Montmorency had hit the front by three-quarter time, and they it, it just denied Greensboro any scoring, really. The, the, the borough kicked five goals in the first quarter, kicked one goal over the next two quarters, so to be 13 points ahead, Montmorency, you, you knew Greensboro would charge, but to To see that last quarter Goals going at, at either end And when the bow hit the front At time on in the last You probably thought they'd hold on But a really gutsy win From for what and One that potentially Kickstarted the campaign I think the other key thing For them, Paddy Fitzgerald By his standards In terms of a goal kicking front it, It's been a quiet start But he mm-hmm. kicked five at the weekend And that one probably Gets him going as well As, as the season now pushes forward So a big win for the uh, Montmorency Football Club and just some of the other results across meadows Greyhounds Division 1 on the day. West Preston Lakeside proving too good for Northcote Park in a result that I think most people probably expected going in given it was the reigning Premier against the side that was bottom of the table. But Northcote gave a pretty good showing of themselves despite the final margin being 37 points. It was also a win, as we said, for, for North Heidelberg over Hurstbridge Bridge. We saw on uh, the... the um, other game that was played in the day, Bandura and Whittlesey. Margin blew out. Whittlesey severely undermanned, but I think the one man we have to talk about is the man who finished with eight goals. Came straight out of the AFL system to Bandura, was expecting big things from him, but didn't he dazzle the, the crowd at Yearlong Reserve in his first game at home for Bandura? Finishes with eight goals, a couple of goal the year contenders, a mark of the year contender, and I think now, I guess most people over the journey, if you're a Bundura supporter, your favourite player was probably Matty Dennis or Gary Moorcroft. I reckon there's a, a new crowd favourite there at Yulong
1: Reserve. Let's hope, let's hope he sticks around as long as they do. But you're right, Samuel. And we spoke off the top of the pod about Shane Harvey and his incredible effort just before. Well, Sam Lloyd, he's also kicked the eight goals. And, and yeah, just entertainment really there at Yulong Reserve. Probably another fire starter for Bundura as well. I mean, they had a big win last week. They've continued the momentum coming in now. Um, yeah, just a fantastic Someone I was very excited to see coming into the season as well. We didn't know how he was going to go. He was probably going to be the main man in a Bandura side, a young Bandura side, really trying to rise themselves up the ranks into finals contention. And to, to start off your home debut in that fashion is just superb. It, uh, it was something special. And, and you just see the players that come directly out
0: of the elite level, just their, their cleanliness, one-grade players. Some of the goals he kicked, not much time and space from the pocket. Incredible. Left foot, right foot. We knew what a good kick he was at, at the AFL level, but uh, yeah, he, he put on a, a show, really, and helped his side to a, a big win over Whittlesea. Um, and then also the, the other result that uh, we'll touch on quickly is the one from Anzac Day, where Heidelberg Stayed undefeated. Came from behind. Trailed for the best part of three quarters against McLeod. Uh, we're, we're down by 13 points at half-time. Still trailed at three-quarter time by uh, four points, but but run away in the last quarter. Six goals to one. Josh Milo kicked another three. Lockie Wilson, a big game, and so too Matt Smith. So it's the two Heidelberg sides undefeated at round three, and they top the table. It's been a, a great start for a, a young and, and different-looking Heidelberg side. And for McLeod, unfortunately, a third consecutive loss. They got some big names back, but not all of them finished the game. Brad Leggett ended in crutches. Um, so they've had, if, if Heidelberg's had the dream start for McLeod, it's the exact opposite. They've played some good sides, but Norton Three with some, some key players not having a chance to, to make an impact and help the side up the ladder.
1: Yeah, it is a little bit of a concern, Samuel. I mean, it is is an 18-game uh, season, and... To start 0-3 is a bit of a tough one to, to kick things off, but on Heidelberg's front, I don't reckon any of us expected them to start the season the way they have. It's a rejuvenated Heidelberg side. Um, they've come into this season, I guess, not with a heap of expectations either, so that would really help their cause, but um, to start 3-0 this year is a, is a fantastic effort, and uh, I reckon it's something they can continue to look towards throughout the year.
0: I looked at the start of the 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 year for them, I looked at the fixture, and you thought, well, they're playing three sides who, are, who didn't play... Division 1 finals in, mm. in 2019, obviously in Hurstbridge and McLeod, Whittlesea coming up. I thought Hurstbridge was a danger game round one. They won that one by 14 goals. Yeah. I thought Whittlesea was a, a dangerous road trip for them. It was pretty close, but they broke away in the last quarter. McLeod on Anzac Day, it's a big occasion. Yeah. And, you know, backs to the wall. Tigers got it done. I think they're showing that they're they're really one of the contenders. And Definitely. I think we've said f- through the earlier episodes uh, of this podcast that certainly most people think Greensboro and West Preston Lakeside are the two main contenders. You'd say now that Heidelberg and, and also uh, North Heidelberg couldn't be too far behind them if, if they are behind. Bundoora is another one man, mounting a case and and Montmorency's best. They're showing that, that that can contend but it has to be produced more often on a yep. more consistent basis. So it opens up a a, a pretty interesting uh, scenario. We, we push on through where Lower Plenty up against Altham was a game most people were looking forward to. We actually had two grand final rematches in MC Labor Division 2 because we had that one, a Twilight game at Lowell Plenty's Montmorency Park. And then we also had the game that was playing uh, out at Cracknell Reserve, also the Twilight game, Panton Hill up against St. Mary's, which was a rematch of the 2018 Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3 grand final. One was a fizzer, one was a grand final replay of probably every description given the fact that the final margin finished exactly the same as what it did on grand final day in 2018, but Lowell Plenty, a big win, I thought Altham would win, though, I've got to be honest, going in, they're a bigger side, Altham, the condition suited the Bears, and they are pretty outstanding, but that fast start, it, uh, it probably played a, a big, uh, a big uh, had a big say rather, in, in the win, although it's worth noting they had to come from behind to, to yeah. win the game, they were two goals down at three quarter time, but a telling win for Lowell Plenty and a real statement. A few more goals in this one compared to their 2018 grand final Yeah, we well, did kick one the three-quarter time. <laughs> exactly they? right.
1: So um, they, were, they really made amends for that in the first quarter. They kicked four goals, five to Alpham's one, one 7 and really set up the base for their win despite the fact that the Panthers did come back and like you said, they were 12 points in, in front at three-quarter time and you felt that maybe they can hold on here but yeah, just hearts broke again for that. Panther fans again, lower plenty coming up um, with the goods and winning a six-point margin exactly the same as it was three years ago and um, all of a sudden now Alpham 1-2 and two coming into this season so far. It's a, it's a little bit worrying, I reckon. Yeah, well,
0: it's 2-2. Uh, it, two and because two the But still, I think that's, the point that has to be made is that you looked at the first four rounds, the, the ones on paper that looked the toughest were Lowell Plenty and Thomas down. Drop yeah. yeah. both those, I understand, away from home, different sized grounds. But then the catch is, you say, the ones that they've won will... Look what they did to St Mary's, who themselves now are becoming a major player mm. in the competition. I know most people probably expected them to beat Panton Hill, but it was the manner in which they did that. Five points. Big, big win when you couple that with the fact that they've beaten Thomas down a week prior as well. They're 3-1, and one, so they, yes, they've played the extra game, I understand. But it makes Altham's form line even harder to read because you argue on Good Friday, probably should have won by more than they did, but for an accurate kicking. But then they've dropped two against two leading yeah. contenders. Which where do they sit at the moment?
1: Yeah, it's very hard to say because yeah, you look at that round one game against St Mary's and you feel like these this that's the standpoint that other sides are trying to get to. All of a sudden, the momentum's gone, and we're going to speak about it later, but they've got an undefeated Diamond Creek next week who look to be a real threat in this competition. Yeah, Yeah, it gets concerning early parts of the year. I know there's still a while to go, but yeah, not not too great at the moment for Rob Hyde. Yeah, they want to take a big scalp, you you feel, and and, and potentially that's going to be one. Um, Some
0: of the other uh, key talking points from around MC Labor Division 2, where we talked about, plenty on a side note to that, the one disappointing element of the game was, Ben Patterson was a late exclusion oh, no, with injuries. <laughs> so it's uh, the man who was the, the man of the occasion. Mm. Um, I'm sure for all fans, they would have minded not seeing him playing after the heartbreak he left them with yeah. in 2018. But just as a side note, it was a shame that uh, that he couldn't take his place. We mentioned St. Mary's massive winners uh, over, over Panton Hill. The other game on the Saturday saw Daniel prove too good for Watsonia, winning that one by a tick over eight goals. Banyol's just snuck under the radar to this point, Nick. We've barely mentioned them on this no. podcast. They right. the three in zip they're playing good footy we know that they had that the scare late against Lowell plenty but it's still a good scalp to take and they're just like under the radar and you think they haven't they haven't got james christopher this year they've got a, a bit of a different mix but they're playing some some pretty good footy and, and a few of their key players are in really good touch and jack langford and uh and tim martin are, are causing headaches one player who's, who's come in that i've really enjoyed so far just watching some of his uh, his work on the tapes but Luke Joyce is, is come in and, and found the goals as well. A player at McLeod who last year or 2019 struggled to, to crack back into the senior side, but he's really had a good start to life at Banyul But, they're, those bears, one of the three bears, top, they're just sneaking under the guard at the moment, yeah, despite mate. being a grand finalist in 2019.
1: Yeah, absolutely, they are, and obviously they had such a big turnover of players coming into this season as well. So we didn't feel like they may have been able to reach those heights, but they're a three and zero start as well. And you talk about Luke Joyce, four goals for him on the weekend, probably one of the players of the match in that one. So um, yeah, they're, they're absolutely flying at the moment, Banyu and you feel like that if they continue this trend a little bit, then they'll all of a sudden start getting a lot of us talking because uh, their performances have been very good.
0: Yeah, we. Well, if you look at the, the ladder as, as it currently stands for Banyuil, they sit second on the table. Uh, they're above sides who are going to contend who have played an extra game already. So it's, it's a nice start to the year. For Watsonia, personally, I think they're not that far away. When you look at them, they've lost two games by under a kick yep. and they, they pushed Banyuil for a fair way on the weekend as well. So, Tougher, they've had some tough opponents to to start the, uh, the, the year at home. But, uh, you know, when you're playing a side like Banyuil, but opportunities present, they're not that far away. Epping's one game that might have felt that let's mm-hmm. slip away. The St Mary's on as well, they missed some opportunities. But, um, you know, you, you feel for them that uh, at Norton 3 they haven't been too bad and, and a win's around the corner. There was two Anzac Day games uh, that were played. Uh, one at Epping, where Diamond Creek just proved far too good uh, for, for the Blues. The talking point out of that one was Ewan McPherson, five goals in his senior debut. He's an under-19, uh, under-19 player for um, the Northern Knights. He's getting an extra opportunity because of the, I guess, the COVID-interrupted season last year. They're, they're allowing a few um, older players to, to have the opportunity to play, and he's someone who was very close to being drafted. We know he's a father-son candidate if the Western Bulldogs choose to to take that path, but. For, for any young kid coming in and playing your first game of senior footy, you feel there'd be some uh, some nerves in in the belly going in, but five goals on a big stage on Anzac Day, how's that for an introduction to to a senior senior career?
1: Yeah, he felt right at home, didn't he, coming into that one, just slotting himself beautifully in, and, and had a day out, of course, with the five goals. But yeah, his he's side, Diamond Creek, are looking the goods as well. I mean, we've spoken about that for a few sides now, but um, they've been brilliant in the way they've gone about, and to have someone like him just slot in and look comfortable from the moment he, he graced the field... Um, it just shows how good the, the demons have been.
0: Yeah, good start under life in uh, with with Andrew tranquilly. You know, Jacob Booth's been a star of that side hasn't played at uh, due to his, his VFL commitments. But we've got uh, we've got a side that's uh, humming along nicely in Diamond Creek and at three and zip uh, with a big test coming up. And and then on the Thomas down front, they were too good for the Fitzroy Stars. The Stars a better performance th- uh, yeah, this week compared to their first two rounds where they were uh, trounced in the end by by figures over 100 points, 14 for them. It did out late against uh, Thomas Town, though the last quarter Thomas Town piled on eight goals to one, so a 33-point deficit at three-quarter time extended out to the final margin, which ended up at, at 77 points. But it didn't feel like that that kind of game for Thomas Town. Good to be back on the winners' list. They bounced back quickly after a loss, but. The injuries keep mounting. Mm-hmm. Anthony Capici didn't play; uh, his injury, I think it's an ankle injury f- for him. Hopefully, it's not uh, a season-ending one. I think they're waiting on some uh, scans to come through there. So we keep our fingers crossed, as from a Thomas stand- uh, standpoint, but also for the competition. You love to yeah, see players absolutely. who can, with the skill level of, of an Anthony Capici So, but it, it, they continue to mount. But they're better players that are on the park. They continue to stand up. Tyrone Leonardis had a, a really great game. Michael Tang's another one that's come in. He kicks seven, seven as well. They're, yeah. they're getting plenty out of the top-end players that, that are available and, and drove that side now to their third win out of four. So the perfect response to to a defeat the week prior and, and they're back in and keeping a, a perfect record at home so far this year.
1: Yeah, it was a bit of a surprise defeat as well for the Bears last week. So coming into this one, there was there would have been a few nerves going into it, but um, you, once they started the game, you felt like they were right at home and that eight goal last term really proved to them that you know they're, they're back in a bit of a way. I know it's against a lowly side. I like the Fitzroy Stars but it's probably the win they needed as well to just fix themselves up a little bit and um, yeah like you said a big loss if Anthony Capici is out for an extended period of time but as you say that They've had players around the park. Someone like Michael Tank kicking seven would do them confidence. We know we can put Leonardis forward if need be as well. They've got a few others, even someone like Hughes, who's played forward for a lot of his career as well. If he can stand up, that would be a good um, thing for the Bears as well. Yeah. So they've got the numbers on the park. It's just obviously you'd rather someone like a PTD for a long period of time.
0: Absolutely, a Todd who's uh, glad you mentioned him. First game for the club, kicked a couple of goals, featured in yep. the best plays, and a uh, nice start to him, of course, crossing from Bandura the season prior into Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3 and we called the game out at South Morang at Mill Park Lakes Reserve. The Lions took on Kilmore and that was a major statement from mine. That was a side that's probably sick of probably being discounted and I'm probably guilty as well because I generally thought at the start this year was such a young list that how do they keep you know turning these young kids into to ready-made senior players. They've done it for, for so long but uh, eventually you, you feel that does it, does it get too hard of a task but... The answer, quite simply from South is no, because such a young side out there. Mm. I think there was nine players that played in the under-19 Premiership the year prior um, that, that were in that senior side. It was a very young team, and they made a big statement against the side that we expect to play finals in Kilmore got out on top early, missed some opportunities uh, throughout the course of the game, particularly in the last quarter, that final margin could have blown right out. They dominated the play, just couldn't put it on the scoreboard, didn't matter. They, they had the game well and truly in their keeping, but for such a young side, they just keep producing the wins and after three rounds now, undefeated and, and flying along at South Morang.
1: Yeah, exactly right, Sammy. One goal, five in that last quarter as well, but you're right, they really could have pushed that margin out. Huge statement because... I felt like Kilmore really were a good match for them coming into the game. Um, they both have played some decent footy to start the year, and they would really challenge them. But at times where they've let Kilmore into the, into the game, they weren't able to make the most of it. And on the flip side, South Morang again, you could tell from the outset they had nine goal, uh, nine scoring shots in that first quarter. So you could really tell they were out there to play. But some of those young stars like Liam Failer was brilliant, Ty Hall, Nathan Bell, Rowan Bazzini, those types of guys really stood up and made the game their own. And that's what's going to lead them, not just... The this year but in the future too So great statement from yeah. the Lions they got good
0: leaders at, at either end as well When you've got Jake Potter now playing more forward yeah. And down back Matt Robinson just marshals the, the young Chargers So a bit of uh, experience at either end I think it really steadies the ship for, for a really young side some of the other results, I think most probably went as scripted. The one that was probably the game that could have gone either way going in turned into an absolute beauty. That was Old Altham Collegians getting a five-point win over Leyla. It was always going to be a great game because it was two sides who hadn't had a win so far this year, and we knew would be desperate to win Old Altham Collegians. Holding out a a, a late rally from, from Leyla to win by five points and, and start their campaign, we saw Heidelberg West have a big win over Reservoir, which we probably uh, was was to be expected given the fact Reservoir have had a couple of uh, heavy losses so far and had 10 changes for that game. But they continue to front up, and you've got to give them credit for that. And then Lorimer versus Mernda. Well, these two sides tend to bring out uh, the best in other. That's generally close when they play. And Lorimer was able to kick away late and take the win in the Twilight game in the end by 23 points. And they, they continue their, their um, beaten start to the year as well to do the power. So that was the result from Heidelberg Golf Club. Division 3. A few great stories to come out of the, the women's competition across both Saturday and on Sunday. The one in particular on Saturday that, uh, that caught eye was Whittlesea notching its first win in women's football. Of course, one of the newcomers to the competition. And it's always a special one the first time you get to, to sing the song and salute and get the four points. And they did it pretty emphatically in the end, did uh, the Whittlesea. They were at home to Banyul and uh, and got the job done. Kicked a, a pretty nice score as well. They, they put through nine goals themselves and could really savour that, that first victory. I know there's always nice when you win a close game, that euphoric feeling when the siren goes, but there's also a niceness to when you notch a win like this, a milestone win where you can actually enjoy it late and, and to see their, their final margin. They won by 42 points, but they were able to to really enjoy that. Uh, the best player on the ground was uh, Tiana Markey. She's made a, a good start to, to her time with with Whittlesea so far, being their best player in, in two of the three games to this point of the season. So... Um two sides that, well, their clubs have a bit of a uh, history, don't they, they do. with playing off in, a, in the men's grand final two years ago. But for Whittlesea, again, they get the points when it counts against Banyol and, and they, they get their first win. So we give them uh, great credit for that. And then the other one that, uh, I guess, uh, looking through some of the, the results that, that came through over the, the course of the weekend, is just looking at um, Diamond Creek Women. They're looking like a powerhouse side uh, this year. They played a Heidelberg team uh, at Waringal Park on, on, Saturday, uh, on Sunday, I should say, that Heidelberg... Probably Diamond Creek was always going to be the favourite going into that one there, but they made a real statement in that game there, won it by triple digits. But we saw the Western Spurs dominate the competition two years ago. It might well be Diamond Creek women who's decided to catch so far this year. There was an article on, on the NFNL website last week about uh, with their the coach of the one side in, in Cole Wallington, and he met, he just reeled off some of the the names that they've brought into the club. We we talk about the AFL talent. We spoke about it at the start of this show when we talked about players like Sam Lloyd coming in and, and having an instant impact. It it's uh, exactly the same in, in on the women's side of things as well. And when you can bring in a player like a Shay Audley who comes straight back from um, playing with with Carlton they make an immediate impact. They've got depth in that squad now, so they're looking like one that can really have a, a big say on the course of this season, and Lowell Plenty another one who three and zip to start their time in, in women's footy, so all of a sudden a newcomer coming in. I know that it's hard for us um, to, I guess, speculate about what could happen in the season, because grading still got, continues for this weekend, and we've still got, uh, well, this is the final round of it, the, the fourth and final round of grading, so you don't know what grade each team's going to be in, but... Yeah. Uh, for a side that's three and zip, they might not be able to uh, start life in, in a third division. They might be higher <laughs> up, and they've been so convincing. Only, we talked about their defensive efforts, but they've only conceded 10 points for the whole season, like wow. yeah, so that's you think impressive. there may be bigger things that are coming up for them?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at that percentage, 1,590, that says the story. But just back on Diamond Creek Women's, they've always had a strong women's program, and you know they've had teams that have really taken it up to others and have been very successful yeah. as well. Yeah, well, so they've obviously
0: had a club that previously had the VFLW team as well. But, right, um, yeah, obviously now no longer uh, they're no longer competing in that competition but even from an NFL standpoint played off in two of the three Division 1 Grand Finals unfortunately for them haven't been able to salute in one yet but this year, I think they're going to be one of the major players, and especially with VU Western Spurs coming back to the pack now. Obviously, they won the flag without a loss two years ago. Um, this year, it's been a tougher start for them. They've only won the one game thus far, dropped two. So um, you feel that uh, there's an opportunity for a new a new contender to, to really emerge or a new powerhouse. Diamond Creek's looking good early days. Darabin had that win over VU at the weekend as well, and Montmorency is the one we've neglected to mention to this point in time, but their ones and two side both undefeated so far after three rounds. So as a club, six matches, six wins, and one side in particular have been pretty dominant in some of their victories... They took on Greensboro at the weekend, who were undefeated going in, and they came away with a pretty convincing win 15 scoring shots to three on the day, and they salute by 42 points. So it was a nice day for Montmorency at Greensboro Memorial Park. It's an old history, those two sides are very well, they really are the next door neighbours in, yeah. in every sense, aren't they? Or yeah. close enough too. Um, and uh, for, for Montmorency, bragging rights there with both the senior men's and women's saluting. From a, a netball perspective, I think the game most people were talking about going into the second week of grading was one played between Diamond Creek 1 and the Fitzroy Stars 1. And I think there's every reason for everyone to to be looking forward to a big game. You've got Diamond Creek 1, who's won the past 10 Section 1 premierships. They come up against the new side that's emerging uh, on the the box, the Fitzroy Stars 1, who, of course, won the summer competition in the 2020-21 season. has to be noted, Diamond Creek hasn't competed in our summer competition. So, therefore, it wasn't that they had, had beaten Diamond Creek to win that premiership. I think most people were looking forward to seeing how that one there would unfold. But Diamond Creek, they got the job done pretty quickly. First quarter, 15 goals to four, Oof. 11 goals up at the first break, and, and then didn't look back thereafter. They were able to just, with minor increments, just increase that lead yeah. and to a point where that, they were pretty comfortable throughout the course of the day. And it, I think it just shows, Nick, I think for regardless of the sport, whether it's a team sport or individual sport, when the champs have a a challenge... It actually it generally brings out the best of them, and they yeah. prove that. It's it's amazing what can happen when I mean, you feel like the next contender's emerging, how often the, the champion side uh, can you know can really make a statement, and, and Diamond Creek certainly did that, but it's amazing how often it happens in sport.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Samuel. I mean, a statement's probably an understatement in itself of yeah. what they were able to achieve on the court, so um, a fantastic sign for them going into the remainder of the season. Um, brilliant to see them continuing their good uh, record so far.
0: Yeah, we were hoping to actually have a chat with the, the netball coordinator, Christy Gannon, at Diamond Diamond Creek, unfortunately that's fallen through, but we'll have a chat to her hopefully next week just to go through uh, the, the Diamond Creek program and, and as to mm. where they're sitting at the moment it's a, it's a different looking section one side for, for diamond creek this year good to see newer players emerging into that team but um from, from their perspective when you when you've won the last 10 you know that you're always going to have the target in the back and they decide that everyone's going to be trying to prove themselves against. so mm. uh when we do have a chat with christy just want to go through i guess the challenges that they they find of always just having to to rejuvenate to yep. uh, each season in, in terms of being able to to stay on top, and they've just done it so well. It's a, it's one of the great uh, records in, in local sports. Uh, you have to say, right around the world, I think a 10-time premiere in a, in a Section 1 competition is, is remarkable. Mm. And uh, again, we'd, we'd like to always have a look at through, through some of the closer games. A couple of draws again on uh, on Friday night, as there was in, in Round 1, and, and a few results uh, determined uh basically on the final whistle with quite a few games decided by under the three goal mark. Similar to what we mentioned with the women's footy competition, it's it's hard for us to to make too many Predictions or assumptions going forward, it is grading, and we know that yeah. even clubs themselves are still determining, you know, where where the players sit in the, in the scheme of things, of which team they're going to be uh, playing with for the for the course of the season. So we do get a, a much clearer picture after round four. So in the netball competition, there are still two rounds of grading to be played. Um, so that that competition started the week later after the the school holiday period, but uh, it's it's been a, a, a good start to to the campaign, and and great to have the full venues in in full operation now as as the season gets in into the uh, the real swing of things. Nick, We're gonna, um, before we get into today's special guests, or two special guests, we've been fortunate enough to um, get a hold of, of Shane Harvey, and he'll go through his milestone um, yeah, occasion at the weekend, kicking the 1,000 goal. We'll also play back an interview we had at the weekend. We're fortunate enough uh, to be... Uh, given access to one of the rising stars of the AFLW competition in Alyssa Bannon. Alyssa of course was drafted in the 2020 AFLW draft. She made her debut uh, during the course of the uh, 2021 season. It was a, a, an outstanding first season for her. Her Melbourne side going all the way through to the preliminary final where they just fell short unfortunately uh, against Adelaide and uh, in turn missed out on or she did miss out on playing in a grand final in her first season but uh, great to see someone who's uh, come through the ranks all the way through the, the Northern Football Netball League and uh, as you hear from the chat, such a modest person, I mean picked mm. it at number five, highly touted, she'd been part of the AFL Ac- uh, Women's Academy uh, in 2020, she was Dominant with the Northern Knights winning the the premiership in the NAB League in 2019, and yeah, as said, a great start to the competition. Another one that um, we, we talk about the the those players who are du- you know dual athletes, so to speak, and play a number of sports and take their talents to to different sports. Alyssa one one of the summer Best and Fairest Awards in 2019-20, playing with uh, Craigieburn, which Craigieburn's now uh, become Hume, and uh, also still part of the umpiring um, fraternity as, as well, and, and continues to umpire this year in the field. So that's uh, brilliant that she's staying in, involved in grassroots. So we'll have a chat with her. Um, while we talk um, umpiring as well, I think it's worth mentioning and, and giving a congratulations to uh, Lisa compton Robinson. Well. We we touched on it briefly last week with... Um, with Cameron Nash, but making her senior debut as the field umpire in the Division One competition, it's great to see, um, you know, the next generation developing through the ranks that, from an umpiring perspective. But also, I think it's a great, um, a, a great, uh, like someone to look up to for for young women as well. To, um, you know, to see that you know, if you, if you go through the ranks, the opportunities arise, and and now to be, you know, umpiring Division One men's football at, at community level. You, you expect the next steps from there to become VFL and then hopefully AFL as well. So um, it's it's great to see Lisa out there and uh, really blazing a trail for for other young uh, young women who hopefully can um, you know emulate that and, and and take the game forward as well. But Nick, we we turn our attention to what comes up this week. And uh, are there any games in particular that, that you look at the fixture and say, yeah, wouldn't wouldn't mind uh, seeing what what happens there?
1: Oh, there's definitely definitely a few, Samuel. I mean. In Division 2, I feel like there's a lot of different matchups. I reckon Baniel and St. Mary's, that Twilight fixture coming up, we've spoken in, depth in these, with these two teams so far in this podcast about how they've come, Baniel being that, I guess, you know, that dark horse in the competition and really making a statement. St. Mary's also having a fine season so far and are really pushing a lot of these contending teams, so that's probably the main game, I reckon, in that division. There's obviously some really nice ones in terms of, there's the, another Battle of the Bears in Lower Plenty in Thomastown, but in Diamond Creek and Alpha 2 really... Really good ones yeah. as well but um, in terms of the future of both of those clubs and, and what they're going to try and make out of, of the 2021 season um, yeah Banyul and St Mary's will be a very interesting game to, to look out yeah,
0: at yeah Altham's response will be interesting mm. you feel that uh, a loss at, at 2 and 3 that you know, <laughs> it's early in the year and yeah. plenty can change but you just start to, to it just Question if you, you, know, where exactly they sit in the piece because I saw them on Good Friday. I thought what I saw that day, I thought there was going to be a side that was going to be at times impossible to stop. But both their losses by small margins it has to be noted as well. So they haven't been too far away. But it does become a really big game. I think from the top flight in the men's competition, I think Bundura and Heidelberg is going to be an interesting one. It's two great rivals, generally play some, some great games of footy as well. And Bundura's last two weeks have shown that uh, for a side that well, they didn't win a game in the second half of 2019 started 2021 with a loss but their last two weeks have shown that they're yeah. probably back into to contention again um, and at the other end in you look at the Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3 is is the opportunity for Reservoir Layla, they, they take on Layla at home Layla was Without question, being the better perform side throughout this year, and also in 2019 when they won both the head-to-head fixtures. But for Reservoir, I mean, this is the the best opportunity as well. So, you you'd like to see like them it, yeah. get the, those opportunities. Uh, at the time of us recording, the the fixtures had not been released for the the grading of the the women's football competition and the netball as well. So, do check the uh, the website for all the, the match times and venues. That uh, as said, at the time of um, us recording, we haven't got those in front of us yet. But we know, do know from the women's uh, football perspective that it is the final round of grading. For the netball it'll be round three so um, do check out those and if if you can get to a couple of games as well there's there's plenty of great action to be had uh, throughout the course of this weekend. But Nick without further ado we are now going to talk to the man of the hour, the 1,000 goal uh, milestone has been reached by Shane Harvey for North Heidelberg. It's worth noting it's not his 1,000th goal at senior level. He's uh, kicked 1,400 of those or, or just shy of, but it is the, uh, in fact, it's it's surpassed uh, 1,400 I think now, but um, 1,000 goals for North Heidelberg in, in 204 appearances. And here's Shane talking about the achievement uh, and, and I guess what it's meant to him to, to be part of North Heidelberg over the best part of a decade. He's Shane Harvey on the NFL podcast. Shane, thank you for joining us on behalf of us all here at the Northern Football Netball League. Congratulations on the milestone. Pretty amazing achievement. Um, what's, your, what's your thoughts on what you've been able to achieve at the weekend with that 1,000th goal? Uh, well, first off, thanks for
2: having me. Um, yeah, I'm very excited. Uh, it was such a great day. A bit, a bit of relief as well. Uh, it's been talked about for a few weeks now. And, yeah, it was good day got it out of the way and we had a win so that was the most important thing but yeah I'm really really happy
0: to do it. You've obviously had such a long time to think about it given the fact I think you were 10 short going into the 2020 season which of course didn't go ahead and now we're uh, obviously back on the playing field but was it something that uh, had been on your mind I guess in in the lead up to to finally finally getting there? Uh,
2: To be honest the first round of the year I sort of Um, leading up to the first round. I did forget about it uh, until probably the Thursday night before round one when someone sort of reminded me. So I did have it in the back of my mind from sort of round one onwards. And I think when I kicked five or six behind in round two, I was
0: sort of getting a little bit jittery. But, yeah, we, we got there. Uh, the, I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a remarkable achievement, and, and to do it for for one club is is something that's, I guess, probably makes it that bit more special as, as well. But um, I mean, no one you know, plays footy for you know, individual accolades, I'm, I'm sure. But but for this, for what you've been able to achieve over your career with you know, um, competition best and fairest awards, and um, obviously uh, winning pre- premierships as well, is this the, the greatest accolade of, of all the things you've been able to achieve with with North Heidelberg? Uh, definitely right up
2: there. I mean. It's, He's definitely uh, played for premierships and the two of them are probably top of the tree. Um, but yeah this is, this is definitely definitely up there it's more it's more of a sort of a team milestone as well. I think the way obviously the, the boys kick it to me every year and and whatnot so it's, um, I'm just glad I can share it with all the boys. that's the main thing yeah.
0: They certainly got around you. I think um, you're being humbled. There's probably just as many that you've given off over the time as well. So you may have got there a bit earlier if you, you probably didn't uh, didn't feed a few off. Um, over the journey, if we could just look back at, uh, I guess, uh, your time at North, it, it stems back um, well you know, two, a couple of decades now, back to, to 2008. Um, you, in your first year at the club, you, you kicked 100 goals. You did it again the next year as well. Obviously, there was the competition being if, um, in 2008, I believe, as well. But um, is uh, over the, the time you've been at, at North High. Is there a is there a player that uh, you know if you're out in the lead that you'd say that you wanted him to to kick the ball to you most? Is there someone who whose delivery is uh, probably why you've been able to get to to that thousand at the timing that you have? Um, yeah, I mean I've had a, had a lot of good ones. Probably one
2: comes to mind just like, come to the club a few years ago now, think like he played probably over 400 AFL <laughs> games. Brent Harvey something, I think his name is. He's um, he, he's more than more than. Probably capable of have hit me from anywhere, and yeah, he's definitely given me most of my goals over the last three years.
0: That's for sure. You've probably paid, repaid him back as well. as we've all uh, enjoyed uh, seeing the, the way you guys you know uh, share the ball around with with one another. You've kicked some pretty well. Some is is a massive understatement. It's um, some of the most incredible goals I think most people at grassroots level have seen. Is there one that? captures uh, your memory most or, or are there a couple which you look back on and think uh, even you surprised yourself that you've been able to put it through?
2: Um, probably probably my most favourite goal was in the comp game in 2008 I only got seven or eight bounces from the halfback flank and yeah, kicked a banana on the wrong side of the ground but I don't think it was caught on camera so that's a shame but um, yeah there has been quite a, a quite a few but yeah, that's
0: probably my favourite one. How much time do you put into it? I, I guess we, we know that um, goal kicking's forever talked about and you know, it doesn't matter what level of football we, we talk about, everyone um, rules the, the missed opportunities. But, but those goals you kick, you just seem so comfortable regardless of, of where you are within range, whether it's in front or on a tight angle. But how much work actually goes into, um, I guess, all that behind the scenes so that when you get there on match day and, and you're dazzling the crowd, it's, it's something that you're, you're comfortable with when you're having that shot?
2: Yeah, I I mean, all my life I've sort of been practicing goals from, yeah, different angles or not, but since the last probably five or six years, I reckon I'd get there an hour before training, just on a Thursday night, and yeah, just practice all those kicks from on the other side of the fence, and dribbles from anywhere, and and then, um, yeah, after training I'll practice all the set shots, but I I definitely put work into uh, practicing those sort of goals.
0: You obviously kicked the 1,000th with your fifth goal at the weekend. It was uh, during the third quarter. It was from a mark. And in general, a regulation shot. Any thought to, to think of maybe letting that one slide just so you can kick one that, uh, that dazzles everyone that's then going to be forever replayed? Well, I had a, I
2: had a uh, snap from the boundaries early in the third quarter and that missed. Then I kicked the banana from the other pocket and that missed. So I'm pretty happy with the, with the pet shot because
0: I might not have got there in the end. And, and that was a, a special moment as well. There was a lot of supporters that uh, had made the trip to um, have them out on the ground as well. It, it's something that uh, is great about community football is, is the fact that you can enjoy it with, with your close family and mates as well. But I'd imagine that's something that's pretty special seeing everyone flock onto the oval once, uh, once you reach that milestone. Oh
2: yeah, most definitely. I mean the support I've got from well, not only North Heidelberg supporters and, and obviously family and friends, but opposition supporters, he's uh, just, just great. Yeah, they get stuck into me during the game, and that's all part of it, but they're the first to come up after me after the game and say congratulations. So, it was, um, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy with all the supporters, especially, and to do it. i had quite a lot of family and friends there. So it was uh, to do it on Saturday was, yeah, it was
0: great. With, um, I guess, the, the season that we had last year or, or the non-season, obviously now that your career is closer to the finish than it is to, to the start, but has that rejuvenated you now to, to go around again? Obviously, your club's been so close to success in, in the top flight over the last uh, couple of seasons, getting to two prelims, but but that year away, has that uh, rejuvenated you and, uh, I guess, to, to have such a, a great start to the season as you've had highlighted by the eight goals at the weekend? Yeah, it's, I'm not
2: sure. I'm not sure, and I'm pulling up a lot sore after games now, after a year off. But uh, I'm just as motivated as ever. My uh, my ultimate goal is a A Grade Division One flag, and until I uh, until I until I not get a kick anymore, and that's sort of not a achievable goal. Then maybe I will think about stopping.
0: With uh, with the club's positioned as as we speak, undefeated uh, after the first three rounds. New coach at the helm with Jason Heatley. How have you made uh, or seen that transition over, I guess uh, the past well, twelve months or so now since he's been appointed? But but in particular those first three games under his leadership.
2: Yeah, he's he's been awesome. I like think everyone around, sort of local football and even interstate, able to would say he's, what a what a wonderful coach he is. And we're just rapt to rapt to have him. We're excited to have him for last year, and obviously didn't go ahead, but. Every, just everyone's bought into what he's brought to the club, and I think that uh, yeah, that's why he's making us so successful
0: at the minute. What is it about North Heidelberg that um, you feel makes it such a special place for you? You've you spent so much time there in in an era where you know at, at local level you see players that uh, often will, will play at a handful of clubs over the journey for for a number of reasons, whether it's you know travel through work or whatever or whatever else. But for you to, to be at the club basically, um, yeah, you know, all the way through since I think it's 2011. I think you had a year away in 2010, but to, to stay at that club for for 11 years and, and be so happy there. What is it that makes North Heidelberg so special for you?
2: Oh, just just the people around the club, I've got a lot of lifelong friends that played and don't play anymore that still come down and support, so they're all, I get to catch up with them every week, and just the teammates over the years that I've become so close to, it's just great, and we obviously get a little bit of a bad name around the traps, but until you're in the inner sanctum, you actually don't know what goes on, which is exactly like all footy clubs, everyone loves the footy clubs they're at, and Yeah, North Harderberg's no different. It's such a family-orientated club. And I take my boys down there all the time for training and, and the boys love having a kick with them and they get there on the Saturday and they just love it as much as I do.
0: Well, I know I mentioned before about having the year off to, to maybe allow the body to, to rejuvenate uh, with, with the COVID-canceled uh, season, but in just in terms of y- your love for the game, I mean, we, we see the stuff that you, you post on, on the socials and whatnot as well, you, you, you know, your life surrounds around your family and and your footy. Um, when you have a year like last year where you don't get out to play, do you, do you reflect on, I guess, what the game means to you and, uh, and how important it's been to, in your life? I actually
2: missed a hell of a lot the first. The first sort of few weeks where we didn't play I thought, least oh, this isn't too bad, get Saturdays back and weren't training Tuesday and Thursday but after after a few weeks I was ready to go back and I'm just uh, glad that yeah, this season, at the moment going ahead as planned.
0: Uh, as I said, on the field, it's, it's uh, three three and zip. But how much work uh, has gone into, I guess, this campaign? We talked about the, the new coach being there, but it's a fair bit of a turnover in the list as well. There's quite a few new names. You had a few retirees at the conclusion of, of 2019. But how much work has, has gone into, I guess, everyone now um, you know, getting the new group to, to buy in to, to get you into a position where, I know it's certainly early days, but you certainly look like being one of the, the real leading contenders in, in the competition again.
2: Yeah, well, we... We, this year or well, previously year we lost 10 of our senior players and I've never had a turnover like that since I've been at the club so we really had to I'm not sure about go back to the drawing board and start from scratch but we just got a, a few good kids in and they've they've, they've brought excitement to uh, us older fellas and it's just great playing with them and the enthusiasm they bring and a couple of older heads that we recruited I think it's a good mix at the minute and yeah it's it's going well. Hopefully the young boys can keep keep improving and yeah, we can hold up our end of the bargain. and we go okay.
0: I think one of the, the great things about watching you as a footballer is just seeing your, your versatility. We see you kicking a thousand goals, but you, you know the ball goes down the other end from behind, and, and so often we see you, you kicking out. You, you push up through the midfield as well. I mean, do do you have a, a bit of a license to, I guess, see how the game's being played as to what role you play, or is that something that um, is is you take off your own back, or is it something that the coaches will will often arrange pre-game? Uh, I reckon I
2: reckon I did a, a few years ago like the midfielders, the young boys like Jesse Tardio, Kyle McDonald, Billy Hogan. I mean, if the other team kicks one or two goals, then I'll, I'll quickly move in there. But I try to do now, try to do that now, and the young boys pretty much tell me to go away and stay at <laughs> the board line. So, it's, uh, unfortunately, it doesn't happen like that. But, yeah, I, feel, I, I enjoy getting up the ground. If I can't get a kick forward. It's always good to get up and get a couple of free kicks out of Whether it's kicking in or a handball around the back. as it just gets me up and going a little bit more
0: than being stale down in the forward line. And, and this weekend, now you, you return home to, to Shelley Reserve. You've got a, a big game against the Montmorency side, which upset Greensboro at the weekend. you you one of still a couple of sides uh, undefeated. Obviously, your local neighbour in, in Heidelberg as well. But uh, the big game this weekend against the side, which is uh, has proven itself to be a, a pretty tricky customer in Montmorency. Oh, exactly right.
2: I mean, Greensboro... One of the yardsticks of the competition, along with West Preston, so for Montmorency to do what they did on the weekend was a huge effort. And uh, we're, if we're, we don't take any team lightly, but we definitely won't be taking Montmorency lightly, we'll uh, yeah, put the plans in place to hopefully be successful on the weekend. And fingers crossed, we can get the job done and yeah, keep the momentum of the season rolling.
0: Well, we certainly look forward to the game. Again, congratulations on the achievement. It's uh, it's remarkable, really, to, to be able to put through that many goals, as we said, to do it for, for the one club as well. It's been, I think you speak to most people around the, the traps, and uh, if they say they can watch one player at grassroots, most often than not you hear the name Shane Harvey is, as the answer. So, um, well done on what you've achieved thus far. Good luck for the rest of the season, and, uh, and hopefully there's, uh, as you say, the, the ambitions and other premierships still at A-grade level, and hopefully that one's still to come for you, mate
2: no worries at all boys thank you very much and thank you to everyone yeah for the support and congratulations over the weekend and i really do appreciate it so thanks for having me God.
0: at latrobe university you'll learn lessons that last your entire professional life you'll be inspired by thought leaders change
2: makers and brilliant minds teachers who are mentors too learn from experts then become one Learn the rules, then how to remake them. Discover your path to success and find your dream course at latrobe.edu.au. Latrobe University. All kinds of clever.
0: Joining us is a draftee from the South Morang Football Netball Club, a player who made her debut season in the AFLW competition this year with the Melbourne Football Club. Alyssa Bannon, welcome. Welcome. Uh, what's it like to be back at the, the home ground after the 12 months you've just gone through?
3: Oh, it's awesome. Um, I've been playing with South Morang for quite a while now, so it's so good to be back down here at the ground.
0: Um, obviously, it's it's a ground that would oh, a club that would mean a lot to you. I know you obviously spent some time with uh, Diamond Creek Women's as well, but um, obviously nice to, to be able to, to get back to a ground where you've had some great experiences and, and enjoyed your junior career. Yeah,
3: definitely. I started here back when I was 12 um, with Chris Donnelly, so it's good to be back down here to watch the boys hopefully come out with the win
0: I'd imagine it's been a whirlwind 12 months since uh, being drafted Uh, obviously so early in the draft as well and and then obviously having a year where you make your AFLW debut you're in a side that had great success obviously unfortunately just fell short of playing off in a grand final but What did you make of of the last 12 or so months that you've uh, you've experienced?
3: Oh, I loved it so much. The girls were absolutely incredible, felt welcomed from the first training session in. And uh, to make it to the prelim was absolutely spectacular, especially with the players and the people I had alongside me. So I couldn't... Couldn't have asked for a better season.
0: You made your debut in round one. What was it like, that that first experience of, of running out onto an AFLW ground for the very first time?
3: It was definitely very nerve-wracking. It was down at Metricon, so big stadium to play on, but just being able to run around and get a touch of the footy with some of the most elite players um, in the country was absolutely amazing.
0: And you speak about some of those elite players, speak of
1: Daisy Pearce, Karen Paxman and the like, there's stars all across the ground at Melbourne. What was it like learning off some of those uh, greats of the game?
3: Amazing, they have so much experience in the game and just being able to um, get um, or gain some insight into their wisdom and um, kind of just learn off them as the season progressed through day by day um, was Incredible.
0: You're involved in some of the elite pathway programs going into I guess the, the draft itself. Did I guess being part of those with the AFL Academy and whatnot, did you think that really helped you I guess transition into to going into an elite elite environment?
3: Yeah, it definitely did. Being able to help improve my game sense, my fundamentals, just being in an environment with really top end players really helped kind of transition into a top end um, league which yeah very very helpful
0: <laughs> Back on draft night what were the what were the nerves like on that night and, and did you know you were potentially going to end up at Melbourne was there any indication or was it one of those ones where you just had to uh, sit tight and, and see where you ended up
3: no, I had no idea where I was going so nerves were skyrocketing that day, but I'm so thankful that I got picked up by the club I did.
0: And it must have been an exciting one, draft night, because you play with the Northern Knights and there are a lot of Northern Knights girls, especially up the top end of that draft. Um, what was it like to go through that process with some of those um, players?
3: Oh, incredible. I'd played with Jess and Ellie McKenzie who went pick pick one and pick two um, and i played with them for three or four years, so being able to share that experience with them and now see them being as successful as they are was amazing, I'm so proud
0: of. Him. What was it like playing against some players you've played in you know, Premiership with at, at Northern Knights, all of a sudden they've become the, well, on shouldn't say the enemy but certainly the opposition, <laughs> what was that like taking them on for the first time?
3: Yeah, um, I played against them a couple of times so it wasn't really anything new but a uh, bit, of, bit of banter on the field and it was, it was just great fun.
0: Obviously you played in some finals at the end of the year as well, we know unfortunately the last one in the prelim didn't go the way I guess you'd won as, as a team but what was that experience like playing finals in, in your first year of AFL football?
3: Definitely very nerve-wracking. The environment is so much different playing finals games, but just being able to have that experience and then take on those learning curves into next season will be really, really good.
0: What does it look like from here? We know, that obviously, the season's now wound up. Brisbane winning the Premiership last weekend, but what, what does it look like from, from here for you from a football perspective?
3: Um, I'm playing at Casey Demons at the moment in BFL and I'll uh, play a few games with them for the season and then going to my AFL kind of pre-season development program and then hopefully get re-signed.
0: I'm, uh, I'm sure you won't have to worry about that whatsoever. We know you're extremely multi-talented when it comes to the, the sporting fields and, and last year um, played in our netball competition summer best and fairest winner as well so congratulations on that. Thank um, you. Do you get an opportunity to, I guess I mean obviously football is always going to be number one but you get an opportunity to I guess um, get back and participate in, in anything of, of that level at any stage from here?
3: Yeah the club is very uh, supportive with I guess dual sport athletes Um, knowing that AFLW is just kind of a part-time sport at the moment for women. Um, Hopefully for not too much longer. Yeah, hopefully not for too much longer. But uh, they are very very supportive in um, players' kind of outside um, endeavours and what they do. So hopefully I'll be able to get back on the netball courts and kind of, yeah, get back into that.
0: And you'll be on the Northern Football Netball League football field, but in a different way, or as obviously as an umpire, you've uh, been a fieldie and uh, a boundary as well over the years, but still staying involved there. Uh, what's the experience like being out there and, uh, and being the, I guess, the uh, official out there telling <laughs> everyone else what they can and can't do?
3: Yeah, I love umpiring. Um, I mainly do the women's, which kind of helps, um, seems as I play the women's sport, but I absolutely love seeing all the girls get out there and just have fun and um, play the sport that I love playing, so yeah.
0: And one last one, uh, we really do appreciate your, your time in joining us. But is there a particular highlight or, or memory that sticks out from from your time now playing in the AFL? I know, it's only one season in, but is there something that stands out that now you look back on the season that you say that's a memory you just you just won't forget?
3: Um, I think it was the game against Brisbane that final round. Um, just being able to. Uh, after the final siren, celebrate with everyone after such a hard fought, hard fought game. Um, it was a very long and very tough season, um, being the most rounds that we played um, so far in AFLW and just being able to come off with the win with the players, and it was just such a great experience to end the season on such a high.
0: Well, I can imagine what a thrill it's been for you. It's been great to, to watch your journey as, uh, as a junior player coming through and uh, and doing what you do. I think you're an excellent role model for for so many. Young players in our league, uh, boys and girls. So it's great to see you back at that grassroots level and still staying actively involved. And uh, really look forward to your journey from uh, from this point in. I think uh, we're all expecting some great things, and, and you're certainly on on the path to uh, to doing some, something exceptional. So congratulations on that, and uh, thank you for your time as well.
3: Thank you very much. Thank you,
0: Alyssa Bannon.